Hello and welcome to today's episode of Platinum Talks Wealth. Emmy-nominated journalist Jennifer Rogers Markwell changed gears in her television career when she realized the need to help women make sense of investing. She regularly hosts educational workshops to empower women and others to take charge of their financial future. Now, join your host, Platinum Wealth Management President Jennifer Rogers Markwell as she leads us into the world of money memories, money infidelities, and how these can mold our relationships relationship with our personal finances as adults. Let's dive into today's episode. It's Jennifer Rogers Markwell and you're joining us on the Platinum Talks Wealth podcast. Today we are joined by Nicole Ningyuan. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you're joining us from. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you. It's good, good afternoon here. I'm based in the UK, so it's good afternoon, but good morning to you. Thanks. So tell us all about who you are and why you do what you do. Okay, so my name is Nicole Nguyen. I'm originally from Canada, but I actually live in the UK. I've had a very colorful background where I started working in politics as a political staffer, worked there for about 10 years, then changed careers to become a lawyer. I moved to the UK without even having been to the UK before, and I pursued my law school here. Um, I was at Cambridge. I did a three-year law degree there. And then I went a very traditional route into uh, commercial like commercial litigation, basically. And I worked in the city of London uh, for about five years. I trained and qualified there. And now I have pivoted into uh, working as an in-house lawyer in a global media company. And I've also started my own podcast, which is the Envisioner podcast. And so that's a, that's a lot of things happening there for you. How did you get on this path? <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like what rings true and probably the philosophy I've always had in my life is that you can do anything you want if you put your mind to it. Thanks to my mom who always put that in my mind. And I, I always feel like we're on a journey in life and we should always be very in tune with you know, what we're meant to do. And that can always change in life. And so I regularly try to consciously uh, do life audits where I can, you know, consider where I am in life, see if I'm actually happy and if I feel like I'm fulfilling my life's purpose. And, and I guess over the last, you know, 15 to 20 years, uh, since I started my, my first career, uh, I've always been very happy to kind of change and pivot and, and grow, getting closer, hopefully to that ultimate life purpose. So you say the word pivot and that resonates with me so much on so many different levels, right? Yeah. I feel like, um, and, I, and I've shared this before on other podcasts, like we're on a river in essence, right? Like we can either fight it and go upstream. We can mm-hmm. stand where we are and have the water just hit our back along the way, or we can kind of just go with it. I mean, from your path, did you think that you would be where you're at now? Absolutely not. And I always tell any, like, when I meet younger people who are in their 20s, I'm like, never say never, because if you if I told my 20 year old self that I would be a lawyer working in London, married to a British man, it would have been like, no way, that's not even possible. So I feel like there's, yeah. so, there's an infinite amount of possibilities in this world and we just kind of have to go after it. Yeah, no, I think that's a beautiful way to put it, because I would have never put myself in the environment that I'm that I'm in currently. Right. Rolling from television and doing that for almost 20 years into yeah. finance, really after, you know, my grandpa passed, 
And my grandma was trying to make sense of investing. I would have never in a million years put myself here because I was always that person that was like, okay, I'm going to do this for this many years. I'm going to do this contract here. I'm going to do this contract here. And lo and behold, you're like, while I was planning, here I am. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Planning. Isn't that, that saying like, um, God laughs at plans or something? You make a plan and God laughs or something like that. I think that's so, so true. <laughs> so true. Um, so one thing that you had shared with me offline, which I found fascinating, is as you're kind of, you know, evolving into whatever your next journey is, you were sharing about um, a worksheet, which I found super interesting, which maybe wasn't a worksheet mm -hmm. then, but it's evolving into a worksheet now. Tell me more about that and basically how you share that and all what that is in essence. Okay. Um, so thank you very much for bringing that up. Uh, it's a tool that I use and it, I think it started probably about 20 something years ago, just before I did started loss. Well, when I was working in politics um, and now it's evolved into a little bit more of a formal structure. So essentially I like to take time normally at the end of the year because like, my birthday is in, in December. And so I always think, oh, a new birthday, new year. Right. And it's also the end of the year. So I tend to sit down, quiet space, and I really kind of just center and I reflect on the last year and where I am in my life. Um, and I and I take stock, basically. So it's I call it a life audit. And that's the tool that I like to use. And I put it into like this like two-page format. So the first page, um, I like to categorize uh, each, each kind of area in my life as health, wealth, and community. And so, and within that, I have a little, a little sub table where I like to put health and I, I reflect on my mental health, my physical health, my spiritual health and see where I'm doing in that area of my life. And I give myself a score actually um, out of 10. And then I also do the same. So um, for all the other areas. So with wealth, for wealth, for example, I like to do um, my investments, my career, if I'm my own business, like now my business um, and also budgeting, like, which is really, really important. And then also give myself a score of 10. And then the last column, which is community, that is family relationships, uh, friends, and also um, like giving back or philanthropy. And so for me, it's like a real nice holistic look at my life. And then where the areas that I have like a low score, um, I already know that. I, I tend to know that I'm already lacking in that area, but um, it kind of exercise really brings it to my, my conscious. And then I, then I try and intentionally start setting goals to address those areas of lacking. And for me, it's a really great way of getting out of a, a funk too, when I feel like I'm a bit low in different areas. And so, yeah. And so, so that's the tool. I call it a life audit. So for those of you driving or cooking or, you know, running around with kids, like we'll have it on the show notes. So just check there. Um, one thing that you had said that I kind of chuckle on, but not like when you're scoring yourself one to 10, like really, how do you score yourself, right? You're like, I'm not going to run out of the park, but are you really? Like, are you really struggling somewhere? Or maybe in that, you know, situation, you are doing fantastic comparably. How are you yeah. defining that, really, that scoring for yourself? So, I mean, I try and be as honest as possible. So I'll give you an example. About um, almost a year ago, I had done this. And I, I, there was two areas in my life that were really, really low. Like, I was like, Everyone else I was quite happy with. Maybe I'm very generous with my old scores. I'm like, yeah, I'm winning. Great. Eight, 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 you know. <laughs> but there's definitely two areas in my life that were not great. And that was my um, physical health. I just, I had really not been taking care of myself. 
um, for the last, I mean, with COVID, obviously that was like a huge, everyone suffered, I'm sure with their, well, some people didn't, but I did with my physical health. I gained like 10, 15 pounds just by being very stagnant and um, eating my emotions probably. And, um, and so that was an area that I was like, okay, something needs to change. That's really, really, really important. So I gave myself like a two. And then another area of my life was community because I felt like, um, I don't know, I felt like some of the, the friends that I maybe had, um, I, I felt like they weren't really showing up for me as much mm-hmm. as I had been for them. And I was feeling this lack and sadness. And so I was like, you know what? I think I need to start reassessing the people who I really let in my inner fold. And because I'm such a giving person with my friends and my, you know, my people. And so I was like, mm, yeah, this isn't working anymore. And so I intentionally started kind of distancing myself from, you know, different people. And then I started actually making room. I think that actually by default started making room for really positive people. And now like a year in, I have like some of the most amazing people around me who are like cheerleaders. They like back me 110%. They're not naysayers in any way. And they just like created such a positive environment. I have goosebumps, like goosebumps thinking about it. It's amazing. So I really do think that this is a really helpful exercise. Now, when you shared that with me, I was like, what? I think that that is just really fantastic self-help reflection. Yeah. I like it because it's empowering for you. Like nobody's telling you what to score. It's literally just like an exercise that you use. Now I am writing a book. um, And so hopefully I will also, that will be more detailed and it'll, it'll really delve into each of, because I actually have like a seven steps that I've kind of formulated like a framework. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm really always happy to share. And so, yeah, ha- happy to help in any way I can, Jennifer. Love that. Well, thank you for sharing. So additionally, in this podcast, we like to talk about all things money as well. And one mm. thing is money memories. So what's a money memory that you had as a younger person or child or within your journey that really helped mold your relationship to money as an adult? Yeah, that's a really good, good question. I love, I love the money memory. I never really, um, I never knew that that term until I started to listen to your podcast. I really love it. I'm going to start using it all the time now and referencing your podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I think for me, I I was really, in some ways I was lucky because I grew up with two very different parents and my dad was like super, super frugal and like, it's legitimate why he had it because, you know, his, his parents, my, my dad is Chinese and his family fled. China when the Mao government took over and they were very well to do. They had a factory and they lost everything. So his experience as a young child, you know, was literally poverty. And so I think there was elements that, you know, continued in his life. Um, not, not his fault, literally just because that was what he had. So there was a lot, a really strong element of frugality and budgeting, like very, very restrictive and, um, money was scarce. That was the, that was the, that what I understood from that. Whereas my mom, um, even though, I mean, it's not like she grew up super wealthy, but she had a much more, you know, like, ah, like, you know, I want to treat my kids. I want them to have really nice things. I want them to, you know, put them in extracurriculars and spend the money because it's for their investment, you know, but very, very different contrasting approaches to money. And, and in some ways, probably because I was so close to my mother, I probably took on her, her sort of you know, mindset about money. And so I was almost, but I almost went to the extreme where I was like, oh, like we don't even need to budget. Like, I don't, why do I need to budget? You know? And that almost was, 
you know, it led to probably money infidelities, which I'm sure we can talk about later on. But essentially, it really, um, it, it gave me a very different perspective. Now, fortunately, I'm at a place in my life where I am much more balanced. And so I can see, like, the logic behind a good budget and budgeting and not incurring debt, <laughs> at least credit card debt. Um, and then, but then I can also, I do have this emotional space for enjoying life and you know, treating yourself and having that, that luxury um, at times, right, where appropriate. Yeah, so interesting that you share kind of the family dynamic, right? Mom and dad, both from different places. Has mm -hmm. that, and I'm putting you on the spot, so if you don't want to answer, that's fine too. But has that affected your relationship with your spouse? And then how do you both navigate that? Because you're both different from different <laughs> places as well, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, it's so funny because I'm sure this is like there. There is a yin yang and which is really great for a relationship. And so my husband probably does have, he's more budget conscious and he's, you know, much more financially aware. And maybe that is what subconsciously drew me to him is that he does have that quality that I did see in my dad. Right. And there's that balance that is created. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure it has impact. I mean, it has impacted us because we do have different money, money memories, you know, and, and that. I'm sure even if you had two people who were both, let's say, more budget conscious, they would still have like money memories, which would create like a nuanced and that would create tension. But when you have two people who also have, you know, let's say two different starting points, right? As in my starting point is more like lavish and extravagant, you know, um, in some ways that obviously has at times created a little bit of tension in a marriage as it would. But equally, I think in some ways it's good for my husband because he now will say, yeah, you know, what? let's do that luxurious thing, you know, more so he'll allow himself, I guess, is the right thing. Like he'll give himself permission to do more of those things because he does like it, you know, and he has done this luxurious thing. It's not like he's super, super, super frugal. But um, yeah, I think it's definitely created like a really nice balance between at least the two of us. But obviously there are there are moments of tension. <laughs> that's full disclosure yeah <laughs> and I and I oh my gosh like similar right so my husband and I obviously came from different places different backgrounds but same thing it's really finding the balance to be able to you know maneuver that together as a team too and it's yeah. it's sometimes it's messy but I mean it's great because you're sharing different perspectives with each other as well but can I ask you a question like who is more who is more like budget orientated and who wants to have more of like the luxurious like, yeah. So I'm the opposite. Right. So I'm the person that's more and I and I always tease I'm the five dollar shirt girl. Like I want a two hundred fifty dollar <laughs> shirt for five dollars with a coupon. Right. That's me. My husband's <laughs> not quite like that. So <laughs> we are we are opposite in some directions like that. And again, I was brought up with my yeah. grandparents. Right. So they were depression kids. So it was a whole different ball game where he was, you know, brought up by his mom and dad. So I think the depression, you know, kids mentality definitely trickled down for me, too, when it comes to my money memories. Because yeah. I remember, you know, my grandparents, not to go off on a tangent, but having like cabinets of like cans because in their mind, they wanted to make sure there was always food on the table because that was yes. cool. So, yes. so for them, that was a big deal. And I always go back to, to that too. And I remember um, I shared this on a podcast a while back of like, they had like cans of like, I remember all kinds of things, beans, corns, green beans, whatever. Right. And I remember some of them being like bloated. 
And I was like, guys, like I get that you guys want to have, you know, cans of things. But if you're going to go out in the world, I want you to go out for a good reason, not because you ate a bloated can of corn. So I remember going through and like throwing out cans and they were so mad at me. They were so mad. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I will replace every can I'm getting rid of, but I don't want you to get sick, you know, because you ate some yes. botulism or Lord know. forbid, whatever. Right. So. Yes. Yeah. No, it's funny is my, my dad, um, he had that. So we had like a, he had like a pantry full. And I, I grew up having like so many, like, like tons, like stocked full yes. of yes. things that had expired too. And it was almost like you would buy like five of the same box soup. Yes. Five of the same. And I was like, because it was one, there was a sale. And two, um, yes, in the event, I think there's this element of scarcity, which I totally understand that, you know, and that's really, it's just, it's a product of the experiences. Yeah. Right? It's part of the, you know, trickle down effect from, you know, your family, your journey. I mean, and then that comes to the point of like changing the narrative. I feel like, you know, when you're, I feel like I'm a big girl now, I'm an adult, right? Like I have, you know, a successful wealth management firm where we're able to support hundreds of clients and we have a big team. So clearly I'm in a different position, but that does always spark some of the, you know, thoughts that I have. And I think that's very normal. And it's just changing the narrative to what makes sense for you individually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that goes obviously hand in hand with talking through, you know, financial infidelities. So What's something that you've experienced or that you've even witnessed that you think that others could learn from? Yeah, well, okay, I guess I touched a little bit on this. So I think the fact that the, the fact that I had this very like conflicting philosophy growing up, but I had chosen like, let's, you know, spend more. Now, I should actually caveat this because my mother was very, she always followed a budget, but she basically would always manage to like let's say maybe like not spend on herself so that we could have what we wanted if that makes sense so mm-hmm. I don't want to make it seem like my mom was just like this crazy like <laughs> luxurious you know spender um but but I think like that that idea that maybe you know being super budget conscious or frugal maybe you know my mom you know that that was a little bit hard for her and maybe her marriage let's say right that was a point of conflict that maybe wasn't resolved well um I feel like I probably interpreted that like spend money that's good spend money like on your loved ones spend money when you go out with friends you know treat people and I probably internalized that and probably made it almost again like I said the other extreme and so I would say one of my infidelities was um you know probably about 20 years ago when I was you know at university and and I got my first credit card and I was like, wow, right? Like first credit card. And I just racked up so much credit card debt that I had and not understanding having financial literacy at the time and understanding what that meant, how it could affect my credit if I didn't pay off immediately the actual like the compounding effect of how much I actually owed. It's not just $20. It's you know, however much it is, like 27 or something, yeah. and it's just compounding of it all. Like, it's just it's insane. So that was definitely a money infidelity, a financial infidelity. And um, and it, I think it got to a point where it's like a little bit of a breaking point because my dad had very kindly helped me out to pay it off. And then I did it again. And then he did it again. And so then I was like, oh. <laughs> and then there was a lot of like, there was some arguments <laughs> And um, 
And then, you know what? I finally said to myself, okay, this is crazy. Like I need to take control of this. And so I actually met with a financial advisor who ended up telling me, okay, look, if you're, if your dad can help you with this one, like last time, then if you could pay him back, we can like get you, when you get your salary, I was working in politics, politics. So when you get your salary, a portion of it can automatically go into his account and, and it's like a payment structure. So for the next 10 months, and then within 10 months, you'll have paid it off, but you just need your dad to like, say, that's okay. And actually that like the first time when I was like, oh, this is how budgeting, oh, and it can be very structured and nice and it can be simple and not scary. That I felt so empowered. So that's a money infidelity. And then it was like my solution, like how I overcame it. But I will say ever since then, I've never had credit card debt. And I'm very proud of myself because like I'm always on top of it. I don't have any debt. So I'm very proud of myself. No, and that's huge because I feel like that journey is similar for a lot of folks across the board. I, I remember going to college and this was not to date myself, but a while ago. And they had like on the quad, like all these different booths set up and they're like, you get a free beer and you get a free pizza and have a t-shirt. And you're like, yes, I need all of this. No, no, you don't. You don't. No, but you, don't you don't understand quite the concept of that. And so I think, I mean, for me, I had to dig out as well because it was, you yeah. know, not understanding, not knowing. I look back on that and I'm like, wow. I had no understanding whatsoever. And I was like no. thinking it was acceptable to, you know, have a bunch of credit cards. No, but, <laughs> but again, like now looking back on that, this is where financial literacy is so important and sharing. So people don't, you know, go through that same, you know, path. Absolutely. And that's what you yeah. do. So that's great. That, that is, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> that is why I'm here. And that's why I created the podcast really for that financial literacy, just that alone, yeah. which is huge. Um, so before we wrap the conversation, first off, thanks so much for sharing everything. This has been a great, great time with you. Um, what are some tips and or tricks that you use to utilize money differently in your household? Well, um, we are on a budget now, so that's a new thing. <laughs> no, no, like as an, as a couple. And so I think that has been, um, I've never really had that until I got married, you know, and I was, well, yeah, being with my husband. So like that was very, very new. So being able to co-budget and regularly meet and discuss. And not only actually, I'll tell you something, not only discuss like our day to day, but actually something that I love and we do is like we talk about future goals as a couple. And that for me is really, really great because I guess I need to have that little like, oh, this is what we're working towards. It's almost like gamification, you know, it's like, oh, if we save, if we save this amount every month, we can do this fun thing. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. You know? So I guess a gamification as a couple is something that I really like and we do, which is nice. That's awesome. Um, another guest on the podcast said her and her spouse do a dream account. So they have oh. an account that's earmarked just for whatever their dreams are. And that's always, you know, changing and evolving, but a dream account to save. And I was I like, that. that's very sweet. That's nice. I love that idea. Maybe we need to implement that here. Yeah. So similar, <laughs> similar to what you're doing, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, good. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time with us today. Pleasure. Real pleasure. Thank you, Jennifer. Yeah, no. And thank you all for listening or watching. And hopefully you'll join us in the next Platinum Talks Wealth podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Platinum Talks Wealth, please subscribe and share. For more information about Jennifer Rogers Markwell or Platinum Wealth Management, please visit www.platinumwealth.net.
Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA and SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The guest speakers and their companies are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Platinum Wealth Management.